Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? Well, if your bracket wasn't busted last week, Amy, it is this week. How about Florida Atlantic? How about yeah, that? Yeah, kind of amazing. The owls. Yeah, and I hate it, you know, because Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee and all, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I, shocker there. Did not expect that. All right. Yeah. Also, sticking with the sports theme, did you watch any of the World Baseball Classic? I did not, but Keith did. So oh. I was in the room. I was in the room when he was uh, when he was watching it. So I heard a little bit, but I I wasn't really on top of it. It's going to be hard for MLB to top that with their regular season and postseason. It was really it was spectacular. Like the the last three or four games of the World Baseball Classic, just amazing. I mean, Trey Turner hitting a grand slam the other night to send the U.S. into the semis to beat Venezuela in the quarters. I mean, it was it was incredible. And then just beating the pants off of Cuba and then Japan with the comeback and the win against the U.S. And it just it was it was just fun. Shohei Otani is the greatest baseball player we will ever see. All right. Well, Making I'll have fun. to go back and I'll have to go back and look at some highlights. Yeah. So, so. welcome to Sports This Week with Jonathan and Amy. Yes. Yes, but we're down to now the Elite Eight. Well, getting we there, yeah. To, today. The, or I guess, yeah, yeah. We're recording this on Friday, so tomorrow the starts dirty the Elite Eight. Right now. <laughs> yeah, we've got a few more games left tonight. Um, that Kansas State and Michigan State game was crazy. And then I was asleep when oh, Gonzaga the, beat UCLA. But I have I ha- I did see some clips this morning, yeah. so well, kind of nuts. Yep, they, they ran the same play that Villanova used to beat North Carolina in the national title game a couple years ago. And, pretty wild. And used that and beat UCLA at the buzzer there. So pretty cool. Yeah. I missed I missed all those games because I was at a hockey game. That's right. So yeah, I watched the Preds beat the Kraken last night in a shootout, which was pretty fun. Okay. Other than the first period, I told a friend of ours, uh, Patrick Watts and Zach Delf, that uh. After that first period, I said, well, of all the periods of hockey I've watched this year, that was one of them. It there was probably – the Preds had three shots. There was nothing going on. It was just back and forth. There was only eight face-offs, so it was like a lot of open play, not a lot of whistles, no penalties. It was just skating up and down the ice, just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It just – nothing happened. It was the weirdest period I've, I've watched in a row. My son was with me, Parker, and he was just like, what is going on? It was so fast. It was like 26 minutes, 27 minutes for the period of hockey. So Wow. And the period's 20 minutes long. So, I mean, it's it wasn't a lot of stoppage. It was it was a wild one last night, though. So, mm. I missed the basketball, but you kept me updated over text. So Yeah, we anyway. got a text thread going where I think Hillary and I were both, uh, there were se- several of us, and Hillary and I were like, what in the world? This game is crazy. And you were like, yep, this hockey game is great. So. <laughs> so. All right. Well, hey, let's jump into it, Amy. Some big news this week. Uh, but first, we want to thank our sponsor each and every week, the Baptist Press Newsletters, BP Missions, Discipleship, Leadership, and Politics. These weekly newsletters offer insightful and thought-provoking content that will deepen your understanding and strengthen your faith. You can check out these valuable resources over at baptistpress.com slash subscribe. That's baptistpress.com slash subscribe. We start, Amy, With some legal news, former SBC President Johnny Hunt has filed suit against the SBC, the SBC Executive Committee, and Guidepost Solutions. This came out a a week ago. I guess it came on on Friday, so it was after... after we had put our show out last week. Right, 
Right. So he filed the suit in U.S. District Court in Nashville on uh, March 17th. And then uh, it and it basically is seeking damages there. It's not specified, so not given um, the amount, but seeking damages related to allegations of defamation and the invasion of privacy based on accusations made in the guidepost report. Um, so obviously we have covered that a good bit here and at Baptist Press. In that report, Guidepost stated, during our investigation, an SBC pastor and his wife came forward to report that SBC President Johnny Hunt had sexually assaulted the wife on July 25th, 2010. And, um, and Guidepost said that their report was corroborated uh, in part by a counseling minister, three other credible witnesses. The investigators did not find Dr. Hunt's statements to be credible, um, but what uh, is alleged in the lawsuit is that the SBC, its leadership, and the firm hired for damage control, Defendant Guidepost Solutions, LLC, decided to use Hunt as their scapegoat. And the suit also alleges that the encounter involving Hunt had nothing to do with the types of reports that led to Guidepost's engagement. It should not have been included in Guidepost's report. Indeed, it should not have been published at all. Um, so that's what's in the lawsuit. It's not that long. I was able to read yeah. the the whole thing. And uh, it definitely will be something we'll have to watch in days ahead. I know these things take a pretty significant yeah. process, you know, lots of responses and motions and, and things like that. So I don't know that this is something we'll have an immediate update on, but certainly uh, we will uh, we will have to pay attention to it. Yeah. And if we do have an update, we'll bring it to you here on the podcast. You can read the full complaint over at Baptist Press. All right, Amy. We move to the ERLC, where they have installed a new president, Brent Leatherwood. Yeah, so this happened on Monday night of this week, March 20th, an installation. It was um, beautiful pictures, that chapel at Brentwood Baptist. It. That's right. That's right. Uh, Keith Whitfield was there. Yeah. And, um, but I was back back here, had uh, some, some stuff going on, and was here with Drew. And so, and I was uh, sick. yeah, yeah. So it was. But it was, I think, a great time. I heard it was just a really, really wonderful service. Had family members, convention entity heads, ERLC trustees, former and current staff members, and just a good, a good time to sort of begin. Even though Brent Leatherwood has been president since the fall, it kind of was a, a moment, uh, a moment to really begin that. Yeah, and they had a trustee meeting in conjunction with that event in which they elected a couple of new members to the senior staff that proved them. And one of them, Amy, almost bestest friend of the pod, Julie Masson. That's right. Director, Director of, of Communications, communications yep. at the ERLC. So congrats to Julie. And then Rachel Wiles, also a good friend of the pod, as Deputy Chief of Staff. So Rachel and Julie, no strangers to the ERLC. They've been involved over the last few years. And, and Rachel's been there quite a while. She's been there for 18 years. And uh, has a ton of institutional knowledge, obviously, being there that long under the last three presidents now. So Leatherwood, right. Moore, and Land. So she served yep. all three of them. And uh, so congratulations to both of those ladies on their new roles at the ERLC. They also announced the recipients for the Richard Land Distinguished Service Award. Amy, I know you're going to be a fan of this decision. Yes. That is OS and Susie Hawkins. That's right. That's right. So OS Hawkins, President Emeritus of Guidestone financial resources, and then is serving at Southwestern mm -hmm. Seminary as well right now in the interim. Um, 
And he is a great, great service to Southern Baptists for all of these years. But of course, I am the president of the Susie Hawkins fan club. This is true. So uh, I'm going to have to highlight that just a little bit. She is incredibly deserving of every award she ever receives. And she's on the board of the Lifesavers Foundation, a pro-life organization in Dallas. So uh, that's that's her connection here. And then also they announced the John Leland Religious Liberty Award will go to Rushan Abbas for his work as the executive director of the Campaign for Uyghurs, uh, which is uh, targeting the genocidal campaign by the Chinese Communist Party. So uh, Abbas is uh, advocates for the Muslims uh, being persecuted by the Chinese over there in China. Trustees also received some updates on the Psalm 139 project. They reached their goal, Amy, of 50 ultrasound machines. Remember, we talked with them back in the fall of 2021, December around then of 2021. And they were telling us about this goal of 50 ultrasound machines that would be in place uh, by what then would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. But Obviously, that never got to it because it got overturned last summer, but they still made it. So they have placed 15 machines since September and are in the process of placing four more, including one in Illinois, which has become kind of like a tourist destination for uh, abortion, like abortion tourism in the country for uh, women seeking abortion. So congratulations to the ERLC on that. Yep. And then finally, Amy, they announced the release of the Digital Public Square, Christian Ethics in a Technological Society, a book edited by Jason Thacker. The, I guess, current, maybe former chair of research yeah. in technology ethics because. Next story. Yeah. Thacker's headed to Boyce. Yes, he is. All right. So that was our next story to cover that Jason Thacker is going to be moving to Louisville and joining the faculty at Boyce College. He will be assistant professor of philosophy and ethics. Uh, so he's been the research director for the ERLC for several years now. He will continue to be a research fellow, um, but he is certainly a frontline ethicist, especially because he is—he uh, really is the foremost Southern Baptist ethicist in areas of technology and artificial intelligence, which are on the cutting edge way before I ever thought they mattered. Yes, I always yeah. like to eat Did we that, tell that story? Pie. Did we tell that story a couple of weeks ago on the pod where we both like yes. separately told him the same thing? Like, okay, you were like, right. You were right, Thacker. Yes. You're yes. Because right. uh, I because I can remember when he was talking about it. He was talking about the ethics of artificial intelligence. Now, I was seeing a lot of the work that Chris Martin was doing, like the ethics of social media algorithms and the ethics of even how we handle ourselves yeah. on social media platforms. I saw that as something super important. But when... Uh, Jason Thacker was over here talking about AI. I was just like, come on, that's like back to the future stuff. It's not, you know, well, not that not, much of not a thing. Really back to the future. That's more of iRobot stuff, Amy. I know, but my point is, I was thinking of it as like, you know, in Back to the Future too, it's like flying cars and all oh, this okay. stuff that's not not really a thing. And so Star I thought Wars, droids. Yeah, so I thought, nah, it's not that big of a deal. And lo and behold, it really is. So we're all glad that he was ahead of the curve. And um, so he will be teaching Boyce College students um, ethics and dealing with a lot of those topics. So I'm pretty sure that what you're wanting to say to Jason right now, Amy, is I think you're right. I think I've already said that. I clipped that out, I I think. Right. And that you sent that to him to use as a ringtone. So, Okay. 
All right. Well, also congratulations go out to Tony Wolf, who was unanimously elected uh, by South Carolina Baptist as their next executive director. Yep. Unanimous. That's that's really great. So that was also on Monday. This has been a big week. So they had a special call meeting at Shandon Baptist Church in Columbia. This was South Carolina Baptist Convention messengers unanimously electing yeah. him. Uh, so they did it kind of like North Carolina does it with a, a special called meeting. The search committee presented, explained you know everything, and then they voted and here we are. So he spoke, he listed five priorities for his life and ministry, fervent prayer, biblical integrity, missional priority, everyday excellence, and cooperative disposition. So he will be packing up that moving van in Texas and headed to South Carolina. Yeah. So uh, he's already sent me his new contact information in South Carolina. He changed his phone already. So nice. if, you, if you need that number at home, it's 864 864- Hey now, uh, oh, okay. hey now, right. you can't do that. Okay, never mind. You have to get it from Tony. All right, speaking of state executive directors, got some sad news, Amy. Doyle Chauncey, the former SBCV executive and, and kind of their first executive, the founding executive director That's of right. the SBCV, passed away this past week. Yeah, and this uh, Doyle Chauncey was the executive director treasurer of the SBCV when we were serving uh, as um, when Keith was a pastor at Waverly Baptist Church in Virginia. So Doyle Chauncey's the the state exec that I remember hmm. um, from some of my first state convention meetings ever. Homecomings. And just, yeah, yeah, those SBCV homecomings. And uh, he's a good, he was just a good, good man and a great leader and really loved the um, the churches in Virginia. So prayers for his family, but I uh, want to honor him and, and just say how how much he's appreciated. Uh, some more sad news, Amy, down at uh, New Orleans and at Southwestern. The longtime New Orleans registrar, Paul Gregoire, died this past week after a brief battle with cancer. He had been the registrar, Amy, for 29 years. So That's crazy. Since 94, 90, uh, 90, 93, 94, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And had joined the staff at New Orleans in 1987. So for 35 years. He had been on staff at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. So that was some heavy news this past week down at New Orleans. Yeah, uh, for they, sure. They shared that news in chapel the other day uh, that they had lost him. And then also at Southwestern, Samuel Shahid passed away at age 87. He was a professor of missions in the Islamic Studies program at Southwestern uh, from, two th- from 1998 to 2013. So 15 years there. Born in Egypt, Amy, in 1935. And I uh, went to Lebanon, wow. then came over to the U.S., and I uh, went to Chicago, wound up uh, in Chicago becoming a church planner and a director of a singles ministry at an Arab Baptist church in Chicago. Mm. And uh, got his Ph.D. up there and then started teaching and wound up at Southwestern and taught there for 15 years as a professor of missions and Islamic studies. So kind of cool. Very cool. Wow. All right. So uh, our, our condolences out to the uh, our, our friends down at New Orleans and in Fort Worth. That's going to do it for the news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to, to March 23rd, 1951. Big announcement came out about the upcoming annual meeting and it came out in a letter um, that went out from Albert McClellan of Baptist Press 
to, uh, I'm going to guess it went to state paper editors, probably went out on the wire. And it's just a letter that says, Dear Editor, there has been a change in the Southern Baptist Convention order of business on Friday afternoon at 345 instead of 345 address on temperance from Wallace Bassett of Texas. The program should read 345 address Billy Graham. I'll drink to that, on- Amy. The Committee on Order of Business <laughs> requests this alteration to be made, if at all possible. Uh, that big, was a joke, by the way. Yeah, I realize that yeah. the temperance reference there. Thank you. Big announcement. 1951 was the first time that Billy Graham ever addressed the SBC annual meeting. There's a great picture that the Historical Library and Archives has of him and R.G. Lee um, standing, uh, looks like maybe at the podium, right there at the microphone. Um wow. But this was the week where it was announced, and uh, it makes you kind of think, like, I got no idea who Wallace Bassett of Texas is. Um, I think but, there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he didn't get but, to give his temperance speech. If he didn't just been able to give that speech, Amy. That's right. You that's would right. know why he would be a household name. That's right. So uh, I bet it was a really big deal for that Committee on Order of Business, especially at that time when Billy Graham's kind of on the rise. And Yeah, because this is two years removed from the crusade in Los Angeles, 49. Right, so, right. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that he could come to the annual meeting, and it's interesting because it's a pretty big announcement. I mean, can you imagine if something like that were to happen today? It would be, you you know, you would have Baptist Press release it on Twitter and it would go everywhere, be a huge thing. This is just a typewritten letter from Albert McClellan out to the editors. Please change the program. Um, But I thought it was pretty cool. And then even to see sort of a real-time example of how those how those changes you know got made and a really historic moment in SBC annual meetings for uh, for when Billy Graham addressed the messengers so it all kicked off and was announced this week in SBC history I really like that letterhead too I do too isn't that neat yeah we'll have the link retro letterhead that's right we'll have the link in the show notes so you can go click on this letter and see the the really cool letterhead yeah that's kind of cool. I like that. So McClellan was the publications director at that time. Right. And Duke McCall was the, I guess you want to call it president of the EC, right? Right. It was, so, I think, was it executive director, secretary, treasurer or something at the time? Executive secretary, it says. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's neat. That's a, it got like a whole, like its own release too, man. It's yeah, a special edition of Baptist Press, one page. Billy Graham. Right. It's, like, it's, it's like Michael Jordan saying, I'm back. It's like a letter that went out on the wire, probably. Yeah. You know, as opposed to a, an issue. Deal. You big know. deal there. Kind of cool. So, all right. Well, that's that's neat. That'll bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? So, mine is a story at Baptist Press that I, that originated at Kentucky Today. Oh, but yes. I actually, you I actually. to me. Yes, I saw it on Facebook. And we were already um, on it, so you can't take credit. So, so cool. So this is about um, a Kentucky Baptist pastor and evangelist, Don Mathis. Now, I don't know uh, Don Mathis, but I know his son, Donnie Mathis, who is a professor at North Greenville, and we were at Southern Seminary at the same time as Donnie Mathis. Um, so really, really cool. So there was a Facebook post that came out, and then they did the story. Yeah, Not to be confused with Johnny Mathis, right? Right, yeah. right. So okay. Don Mathis, 
he put a Facebook post that his college class ring had been lost for 45 years, had been found and returned to him. So this is really cool. All right. He graduated from Austin P. State College um, in 1966. Uh, now it's Austin P. State University. I'd like to just point out. Let's that go, Pete. In, I think that's right. Yes, that's the cheer for it. In 1968, my mom was a graduate of Austin P. Um, but that, by the way, for those listening, it's um, P-E-A-Y. He was a governor of Tennessee. So it's named after him. But anyway, uh, cause it's a little bit of a strange name if you're not familiar to it. All right. So he had been the first college graduate in his family and he loved wearing that college ring. So he went on and got a master's degree and a doctorate from Southern seminary, but he just loved, he just loved, uh, kind of representing his, his college years. He said in the late 70s, he realized that his ring was lost and he looked all over for it and finally thought he must have lost it water skiing at uh, Lake Barkley. So last week, all right, remember, this is in the 70s that he can't find it. This is before last, I was born. Yes. Le- it's not before I was born. It says late 70s. So I was born in 76. He says last week. He received an email from a man in Liberty, Missouri, simply stating, I may have your college ring. He emailed back, um, what's the school? What's the year? He said, Austin P. 1966, initials DRM. That's it. So it's like, what? how is this in Missouri when he thought he lost it in the lake? He asked, how did you find it? How did you find me? How can I get it back? The guy was using a metal detector in a park in Kansas City and found the ring buried in the ground, had a friend with access to old yearbooks. And so they searched the 1966 yearbook for like a digital digitized thing. They found um, the initials. So went and found him and his website. Um, So then he starts thinking, how on earth does it get to Kansas City? And he remembers he's he had only been to Kansas City one time. This is why this is where it all comes together and why we're talking about it on this. In 1977, the SBC annual meeting was in Kansas City, Missouri, and he was walking from his car to the convention center. And he had his Southern Seminary ring in his pocket and the Austin P ring on his finger. And he decided to switch them. And so what he is realizing now is that he must have dropped it when he did that. And then it just went underground, you know, eventually over time. And it stayed there 45 years. And here it is. He has it back. That's so so cool. You can go read the Baptist Press story, but I just am going to tell you. you, kind of ruined it for everybody. I basically told the whole story here. So (laughs) my resource of the week is the story that I just told you. Yes. Well, that was it's a fascinating story because you sent me the Facebook post. I'm like, this is so cool because he lost it at the annual meeting. So I know, well, yeah. And uh, but just just to throw this out there, the SBC Executive Committee is not responsible for any articles lost at the SBC. <laughs> uh, you assume full responsibility for those. Just well played. Just well played. All right. Speaking of the SBC Executive Committee, my resource of the week is a story about one of our EC members, Danny Bryson who is a lawyer here in Tennessee. She is the Assistant District General Attorney for the 23rd Judicial District in Dixon, Tennessee. So that's a, that's a long title. for That's a big very, business card. Very so, long title. Yes. So Dixon, out on the west side of Nashville, between here and Jackson. And uh, Danny lives, she kind of lives out on a farm. And it's, it's mm-hmm. she's a fun follow on Twitter, by the way. And her handle is underscore mommy is a lawyer. 
So use the underscore first and then mommy is a lawyer. And uh, she's a fantastic follow on Twitter. A great story about her and just her perspective on serving on the executive committee. Uh, just, you know, not coming in as quote unquote a savior, but is coming in as a servant. So uh, a great story this week from Tim Cox on Danny Bryson. Uh, she's been great to get to know over the last year. She's uh, on the board, I think, at the Tennessee Baptist as well. So really involved in her church, in the convention workings here in Tennessee, and now on the national level. So a uh, neat story about her and uh, her background and her service to Southern Baptists. So uh, get to know your executive committee members and uh, Danny Bryson here in Tennessee. All Very right. cool. That's going to do it for our show this week, Amy. And uh, by this time next week, we'll have a final four we'll be waiting on. And uh, who knows? Maybe Florida Atlantic? Maybe Gonzaga? We'll maybe UConn? Maybe Alabama? We don't know. So We'll see. We'll know this time next week, though. Well, actually, we'll know in a couple days, but yeah. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Well, hey, Amy, see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.